Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another SECPA session, a special session that we're having this week. Um, SECPA would like to acknowledge that this event takes place on the land of the Blackfoot people and Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. And we pay respect to their past, present and future cultural heritage, beliefs and relationship to the land. SECPA is also very thankful for the continued support we receive from the University of Lethbridge, Shaw Spotlight and the Lethbridge Herald. Today we have with us uh, the leader of the People's Party of Canada, Maxime Bernier. Maxime Bernier, a four-term former Conservative MP first elected in 2006 and a cabinet minister in Stephen Harper's government, formed the People's Party of Canada in 2018 after realizing that the Conservative Party of Canada was too intellectually and morally challenged to reform, having abandoned Conservative principles, values, over time. Mr. Bernier is known as a dependable politician who speaks his mind, a man of ideas. His belief is in personal responsibility and freedom is at the heart of his political vision. In his public statements, he expresses those values and his unwavering commitment to reducing government excesses. Thank you so much, Mr. Bernier, for joining us and we look forward to your presentation. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you. I'm very pleased to be with you. Hello, everybody. I want to thank first the Southern Alberta Council of Public Affairs for inviting me to speak uh, to you today. I was uh, physically in Alberta. Can we hang on a minute? Um, sorry. Uh, sorry. I seem to have no data. Can we, can, sorry. I'm really sorry. Can we just hang on one minute? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Thank you. You want me to start from the beginning? Yeah, just hang on one minute. Okay, there we go. That seems strange. Okay, yes, please start from the beginning. We've got an excellent connection. I'm really, uh, my apologies for that, people. It seems that we are back online. Thank you. So, hello, every, everyone. Uh, I want, like I said, to thank the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs for inviting me to speak to you today. I was physically in Alberta only a few weeks ago to address a conference in Lord Minister, and my remarks today will be very similar to what I said then. Most participants at that conference were Albertan separatists, and interestingly, my speech was very well received by that crowd. I myself used to be in favor of Quebec separation when I was uh, much younger. It wasn't because I had a negative view of the rest of the country. I always liked Canada and its people. But I thought the federal government was growing too much, was becoming overbearing, was intervening more and more in provincial jurisdiction, despite what the Constitution said, was becoming a kind of uh, imperial government and voting for separation was the only way to stop this and either break up Canada or refund it on a, the basis of a new relationship where Quebec would be more autonomous. But many years ago, I realized how expensive and ultimately futile Quebec's flirt with separatism has been between the 1960s and the 1990s how it contaminated and paralyzed the political debates in the province for decades, how it overshadowed more important debates like healthcare reform or excessive taxes and government intervention in the economy. That is why I don't believe that Albertans should follow Quebec's example. I think you would be uh, wasting your energy with probably similar results. I believe we should try to reform Canada, but I understand why many Albertans have uh, given up on our country. I've been uh, talking with some of our own uh, former PPC candidates in Alberta who joined uh, the provincial Wild Rose Independence Party. They have legitimate arguments for supporting secession. I understand their concerns and motivation. We can all agree on one thing, 
Canada is becoming more and more dysfunctional every year. There are structural problems with our institutions, with the way our federation is being governed, and with democracy itself. These problems guarantee that things will continue to get worse. Let me talk a little bit about general political trends before I address the issue of federalism. As many historians and political philosophers have noted, all governments have a tendency to grow. They use every justification to increase their power, especially during times of crisis. We've seen it during the past year. The pandemic has provided an ideal opportunity for governments to violate our basic fundamental rights and freedoms and impose draconian measures under the pretext of protecting us from a virus. We will come out of this crisis with governments larger and more intrusive than ever before. During the 20th century, we managed to defeat the two most destructive ideologies advocating collectivism and state tyranny, communism and fascism. But despite this, the size of government inexorably continued to grow in the victorious liberal democratic countries. There has been a perversion of the meaning of democracy itself. In the 18th and 19th centuries, Democrats fought for the equality of all citizens under the law and their right to govern themselves against the despotic power of kings and small cliques of aristocrats. But conservatives and classical liberals were united in the belief that power had to be limited. They adopted constitution that clearly outlined the powers of governments and the rights and freedoms of citizens that could not be violated. Governments were not meant to decide everything in most areas of, the, of our lives. And, you know, it's so important to have a free society and a free economy. Government set basic rules and civil society could function autonomously within this framework. So, if you read the essays and speeches of that time, you clearly see that they were afraid that democracy could degenerate into a tyranny of the majority. Unfortunately, that's where we are heading. It's not even technically a tyranny of the majority. It's the tyranny of a large enough minority to keep control of the levers of power. Justin Trudeau has uh, been acting exactly like some banana republic dictator, even though, has, even though he has a minority government. More and more democracy means whatever a government can get away with. If a government adopts a policy that is approved, or not disapproved by enough people to get it elected or re-elected, then it's considered democratic, even if that policy contradicts the constitution, the rule of law, parliamentary precedent, the formal equality of all citizens and basic rights and freedoms. We now have government by polling. That's why governments have huge communication budget or we should say propaganda budget, in order to manipulate public opinion and manufacture the minimal democratic legitimacy that they need. We are losing our basic rights and freedoms at a rapid pace. Our governments are becoming tyrannical. Identity politics is dividing us into warring tribes. The universalist classical liberal values that underpin Western civilization are faster eroding. And we have competitors like China who have no use for these values. Their military and economic might are rapidly rising. I believe that confronting these trends 
is the biggest challenge of our time. I don't think we can understand our national unity problems unless we put them in this larger perspective. In a federation, the growth of government means the growth of all levels of government. And we have, we have that, we have that in Canada, of course, provincial governments are bigger and more interventionist than ever. But it also means increasingly decentralization in the national government. Regardless of what the constitution says about the division of powers, the objective of the 1867 act of our constitution was not to subordinate provincial governments to a central authority, but rather to have sovereign provinces within the limits of their powers dealing with local matters that directly affected their citizens, and a sovereign federal government within the limits of its own powers dealing with matters of general national interest. Ottawa took on more responsibilities throughout the 20th century like every other developed country. But until the 1970s, we still had a relatively modest government, just like the United States. The centralizing trend accelerated under Pierre Trudeau. The 1970s and early 1980s were the era of big deficit and growing debt the era of increased federal intervention in healthcare and education, the era of the national energy program, the era of centralization and nationalization. It was also the era when separatism became mainstream in both Quebec and Alberta. The Parti Québécois became Quebec's official opposition in 1970, formed the government in 1976, and held its first referendum on secession in 1980. And Albertans first elected a separatist in a provincial election in 1982. In a large and diverse federation like Canada, the fastest way to breed resentment and disunity is to have a big central government intervening in provincial affairs, being perceived as favoring the interests of some regions against those of others or unfairly redistributing wealth from some regions to others. These structural problems are present in all federal unions. The European megastate has become a bureaucratic nightmare that regulates everything in a totally undemocratic fashion. It is uh, siphoning off wealth from Germany and other northern countries to bail out Greece, Italy, and Spain. How could a democracy function in such a large and diverse entity anyway? The country that has always been most skeptical of the European project, the UK, recently left it. It would not be, I would not bet on the European Union surviving many more decades in its present form. Even in the US, there is a renewed discussion of the benefits of secessionism. The country is so divided between the blue and red states, there is such polarization between the right and the left that some say it would be better if it split into at least two countries. And there too, Washington has for decades been growing and intervening more and more in people's lives, despite what the Constitution says. Not only is Washington getting bigger, but power is increasingly concentrated in the office of the president. What we have in Ottawa, Washington, Brussels are not federal governments, they are imperial governments. We don't have true federalism anymore. With a clear division of power, we have imperial federalism. So, for those of us who are conservatives, classical liberals or libertarians, we have several problems to solve or tendencies to counter. Governments 
that keep growing. A democracy that degenerates into the tyranny of the majority or of a large controlling minority. And finally, a federal government that centralizes power. I know what many of you are thinking, that uh, tyrannical majority or controlling minority is the large population center of Quebec and Ontario, the Montreal-Ottawa-Toronto axis that is big enough to elect and control federal governments, the Laurentian elite. Because our population is unevenly distributed across the country and concentrated in this area, a federal government mostly needs to appeal to the voters there and ignore the other regions of the country where it has little support, like Alberta. I think that's a good description of the Liberal Party strategy. This uneven distribution of population and its consequences on federal politics is a problem that exists in all federations. One solution that has been part of the political debates for decades here in Western Canada since the days of the Reform Party is the Triple E Senate. The Maverick Party proposes it today as an alternative to separation. I don't support a Triple E Senate solution for several reasons. This is an American solution. It has not prevented the centralization of power and the growth of government in Washington. There is even less chance it would work here in Canada. First of all, we would need a constitutional amendment, and you know how difficult that is. There is no way it would ever be accepted by Quebec. One of the central issues in Quebec politics since the British conquest is the fear of becoming a smaller minority in Canada and losing control of its destiny. You in the West don't want your life to be determined by the Laurentian elite. Quebecers don't want their lives to be determined by nine English-speaking provinces. The Quebec government and population will simply never agree to have the same representation and influence as PEI within a more powerful federal institution. Perhaps you don't care what Quebecers think, but even from your Western perspective, I fail to see how it would be advantageous. Even in a triple E Senate, the Western provinces would be in a minority. The Fourth Atlantic provinces, which have been for decades the most dependent on federal money, on federal transfers, will have the same number of seats, about 40%, even though they represent only 6% of the population. Their influence would increase dramatically. Add Quebec and Manitoba, and you get a situation where have-not provinces whose interest is to receive more money, more transfers from Ottawa, control the Senate despite representing less than half the country's population. And there is no reason to believe that Western senators would vote as a bloc anyway. BC's politic culture is very distinct. Even here in Alberta, you had a, an NDP government not long ago, which had the exact same vision of big government that you find in the East. An NDP senator from Alberta would support national pharmacare, national daycare, and other unconstitutional national programs proposed by the Liberals and the NDP in Ottawa. With a triple E Senate, you might change the process of adopting these laws a little bit, but the result will be essentially the same. There is absolutely no reason to believe it would reverse the trend toward imperial federalism. By giving more legitimacy to the federal government, it may, on the contrary, reinforce it. Instead of trying to change the way 
and uh, overbearing and interventionist federal government works to make it more acceptable to the West, you should try to make it less overbearing. You should aim at reforms that are feasible, not waste a political capital on one that is unattainable and will not solve anything anyway. The solution is to radically downsize Ottawa, a radical decentralization. Most of what's wrong in this country today originates from Ottawa. We are a huge country with very diverse regional cultures. Instead of having one-size-fits-all policies imposed by Ottawa, we should have autonomous provincial governments that answer the needs and wishes of their citizens. Ottawa should only take care of national and international issues on which we have common interest. The rest should be left to the provinces. This means all federal intrusions in provincial jurisdiction, such as healthcare reform, education, housing, and local infrastructures should end. Ottawa should transfer tax points instead of conditional grants for healthcare so that provinces uh, are financially autonomous and don't depend on Ottawa anymore. We should allow our provinces to take over the management of programs such as provincial police, pensions, manpower training, or immigration selection, like Quebec did. Provinces must be responsible for the success or failures of their own policies. And of course, we should reduce and reform the equalization program to put an end to the culture of dependency and encourage provinces to adopt policies that favor economic growth. That's the program the People's Party proposes. If I had to write the question for the upcoming referendum in Alberta, it would be, do you agree that the federal government should stop all intrusions in provincial jurisdiction? A majority yes would start the ball rolling. By the way, this radical decentralization was the other major reform of the Federation proposed by the Reform Party in the 1990s. If Preston Manning had focused on this instead of the Triple E Senate, he might have received some support in Quebec. Who knows if Manning had taken this road, perhaps he would not have felt the need to merge the Canadian Alliance with the progressive conservatives to get more votes in the East and in doing so, bring the Red Tories back to life. Think about that. Note that in their recent book, Moment of Truth, How to Think About Alberta's Future, Jack Means, Ted Morton, and Tom Flanagan discuss three options for Alberta. First, institutional reforms, including the Triple E Senate, to give it more influence in Ottawa. Second, more autonomy. And third, separation. They reject separation. Their preferred choice is institutional reform, but they agree that it is not possible at this time and so propose autonomy instead. I share the same conclusion as these distinguished defenders of Western interests. I think that's why I'm often called the Albertan from Quebec. So, what are your options to vote for at the federal level if you want to if you want a change from the disastrous Trudeau regime? First of all, you can vote for Aaron O'Toole's Conservative Party. As much as you may want to get rid of Trudeau, voting for the CPC will, will change absolutely nothing. The Conservatives don't want to solve Canada's structural problems. They don't even acknowledge that they exist. They have nothing to say about our imperial federal regime and our defective democracy.
they have nothing to say about the centralization of power in Ottawa. They have nothing to say about equalization. They have nothing to say about identity politics. On the contrary, they are playing that card just like other parties. They won't use the Constitution to build the pipelines. They support the Paris Accord and carbon pricing. They support lockdowns, massive spending and deficit. There is very little substantive difference between them and the Liberals. They've accepted the current rules of the game and they've reconciled themselves with that uh, dominant ideological trends. And so, their only option is to court the, voter, the voters in Ontario and Quebec with uh, mainstream central left policies. And that's why I finally decided to leave that party. They will probably lose the election because central left voters in Eastern Canada will not trust a leader who changes colors as O'Toole did, going from true blue to red within 24 hours after becoming leader. Even if by some miracle they won the election, they would have no mandate for change. They are prisoners of that system and they would inevitably govern from the central left, not as true conservatives, to get reelected. Another option is to support the Maverick Party. If you too prefer to reform Canada, but you still want to keep the separation option open, don't vote for Maverick. Vote provincially for the Wild Rose Independence Party instead. Separation can only happen with a provincial government holding a referendum. The Bloc Québécois has never delivered anything relevant for Quebec. It has done nothing to bring more autonomy to the province or make the separatist project stronger. Maverick offers a two-track solution, either adopting a triple E Senate or separation. If you believe there is still a possibility to reform Canada, don't waste your time with Maverick and it's a triple E Senate proposal. Try the People's Party instead. Change will come if Canadians across the country support it. And that's what we at the PPC are trying to do. I believe Canada is still a great country worth saving despite all its flaws. There is far from a, a majority of voters in Canada at this moment in favor of the radical decentralization solution that I propose. But there is no majority in favor of any other solution either. No majority for a triple E Senate or for separatism here in the West. There is only paralysis that the Liberals are exploiting to keep themselves in power. The solution I offer is entirely feasible constitutionally. Indeed, it is based on respecting the Constitution and it is a, a lot more realistic politically. You have to start somewhere. A small but dynamic and rising minority can raise issues and force others to debate them. But there is an even more important reason to support the PPC. What we offer is an ideological revolution. As I said at the beginning of my speech, we are losing our basic rights and freedoms at a rapid pace. Our governments keep growing our traditional Western values are fast eroding. If this trend does not reverse, we can all say goodbye to our prosperity and our way of life. Whether or not you have a triple E Senate, a conservative or liberal government in Ottawa, it won't make any difference. We're the only party openly fighting to reclaim our rights and freedoms 
our sovereign, uh, sovereignty against a globalist organization like the UN. The only party openly fighting to restore our institutions and our federation as they were conceived. The only party openly fighting for true conservative values of freedom, respect, fairness, and responsibility. Everybody else is moving left or far left, including the Conservative Party. All the other parties want to drive us into a wall at the different speeds. I want to stop the car and change direction. That's the option I'm offering you, as well as all Canadians across our great country. I hope you will consider it. Thank you. Merci. Thank you very much. We, um, we have a lot of questions in the queue, so I'm just going to jump right in with our first question, which comes from Jim Harrison. Wondering how alliances with other groups and individuals and businesses could help grow the PPC membership and momentum. But yes, I think it's important. It's our goal at the PPC to grow our momentum. Uh, we had 1.6% of the vote at the last general election. But if you compare that with the Green Party of Canada, it took them 20 years and six elections to have more than 1.6% of the vote. And we did that in one year, the year of when we created the party. So what we try to do right now is to uh, grow our support all across the country. And uh, yes, we need to have... Uh, more people knowing our platform and knowing that we are the only political party in Ottawa that is fighting for a, a smaller government in Ottawa and more freedom and and doing alliance with uh, other organization or business sector or, or Canadians. That's part of uh, what we'll try to do. But at the first time, uh, the most important for us is to be out there and to speak about what we believe. Because I can say that uh, half of the population in Canada don't know that we exist. That's a big challenge. And yes, we try to uh, uh, do uh, event and, and um, working with people who share our same values. So I'm asking you, if you want to uh, know a little bit more about the People's Party of Canada, don't hesitate to go on our website, peoplespartyofcanada.ca. You can become a member, but also you can speak to your colleagues, to your um, friends, to your family, and tell them that we exist. And, and tell them uh, what we believe in. We believe in people. We don't believe in big, fat government. And we believe that you know better than a government in Ottawa or a politician in Ottawa what is best for you. So our platform is there on our website. And the more people will be aware of that, the better it will be for us and the better it will be for our country. Great. Our next question comes from Denver Florence. Maxime, if you were Prime Minister, how would you limit the disease that is critical race theory in our federal government? But first of all, you know, we will govern for all Canadians and uh, and we won't pander to any special interest groups like uh, the Liberals and, and the Conservatives are doing. We're doing politics for every Canadian and without without uh, looking for their gender or their uh, or the color of their skin uh, for uh, for us i think you know when you do that you putting people in different uh, tribes and, and you you are dividing people and that's against the unity of this country so our way to govern is to have policies that would be the same for everybody and uh, and i don't believe that a race is more important than another one uh, all uh, all life uh, matter, and I think it's important. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. The federal government uh, just created a, a new program for uh, uh, black entrepreneurs. I don't think you need a program for black entrepreneurs. You don't need a program for white entrepreneurs also. You don't need a program for entrepreneurs from Quebec or entrepreneurs from Alberta. If you need a program for entrepreneurs, it must be for every entrepreneurs in this country. So that will be will abolish these kind of programs. And so that's why I'm telling you, we are doing politics differently and doing politics differently based on principles. It can take time to have more support, but I think the time will be in our favor. 
Okay, um, I noticed that quite a few people have asked multiple questions. Just so you know, because of our time constraints today, we will only entertain your first question. And if there's room at the end, I will come back to your second question. So Laurie Schultz is our next question. What policy and actions would the People's Party of Canada take in regards to truth and reconciliation with Indigenous and Aboriginal peoples in Canada? Please comment on the relationship you would envision with First Peoples. But first of all, you know, uh, there's no systemic uh, racism in this country. Only one exception. The exception is the Indian Act. We must, uh, we must get rid of the Indian Act as soon as possible. It's an act that is based on race. And I want uh, indigenous people all across the country to uh, be part of, of, the, of our country, to feel 100% at home. So we don't, what we will do, we respect the uh, treaties that Canada signed with uh, some nations all across the country. We uh, won't uh, uh, recognize the UN as uh, having authority and, and uh, legislative power here in Canada. Uh, that must be daily in Ottawa and uh, by uh, politicians elected by Canadians. And uh, that commission, I'm very critical of their, uh, of their uh, conclusions. Uh, I think that um, we, uh, there's something to do there, but the most important is to give them more freedom. And that's why we want to uh, be sure that we'll do a strong consultation to know how to replace the Indian Act in our country. I don't have the solution about that, uh, replacing the Indian Act by, by, by what? I think it's something that is open, but what I know, it's a bad legislation for indigenous people and, and for our country. So we must have a look, and that's part of our program. And can I ask you to go on our website, peoplespartyofcanada.ca, you'll see our proposal on that in details. Our next question comes from uh, PM Reed. This COVID business has been a misuse of our public health care system. And then in, in quotation, he who pays the piper calls the tune. Would you change our system of universal health care if elected? Yes and no. First of all, why? Because we're the only party that is speaking about that. Uh, health care, it's a huge cost in Canada. But at the same time, it's a provincial jurisdiction and we must respect the constitution, like I said in my speech. So right now, you don't know who to blame for a, a lack of healthcare services or delivery of services for the, the population. Is it the federal government because the federal government is not giving enough money to provinces or is it uh, the provinces uh, because uh, they're they're not efficient at managing the healthcare uh, system. So you don't know who to blame. And I want to respect the constitution. So what we can do, we can give to provinces all the money that the federal government is having under the GST. So it's a lot of money and that will be, uh, we, will, uh, we will transfer tax point, like I said in my speech. So instead of the federal government to collect taxes and giving that to provinces for health care. I want provinces to be independent and having the means and the money for the health care system. So we will lower our tax rate, like for example, the GST and give that to provinces. So it's not the role of the government to give a grant on, the, on some conditions to provinces for health care because they know better than the federal government. So health care is a provincial jurisdiction. We need to have a reform. And if you have a reform like that, uh, people will know to blame uh, if uh, they don't like the, their, health, their health care system in their province. They will know that will be the provincial government because the provincial government is in charge of that and will be able to raise the money for that. But at the same time, instead of putting more and more money in a health care system that is deficient, maybe a provincial government will look at some reform and having more private delivery of health care than, than a public delivery. Uh, like a little bit in Quebec. In Quebec, you have more uh, private clinic clinics than uh, in other uh, provinces. So you need to have more competition. You need to have a system where everybody will have a universal coverage. And, it, and it's very important to say a universal coverage, everybody. But they would be able to choose if they want to have a, a public delivery or a private delivery. So they will have to be able to choose. Like in other countries, like uh, Sweden, 
And uh, that kind of system is more efficient than the one that we have right now. So we at the federal level, we won't initiate uh, any changes in the healthcare provincial system because it is not under our jurisdiction. But with our reform, we will give the right incentive for these uh, provinces to change their system if they want because we will allow them to have more private delivery if they want and they will have all the control of their uh, of their system without any interference uh, from the federal government so i think it's uh, we're the only party that has the courage to speak about that because it's so important at the provincial level a budget for healthcare in quebec and in ontario and other provinces and alberta it's about between 40% of the provincial level, uh, provincial budget to 50% of the provincial budget. So it's a lot of money. And instead of putting always more and more money, maybe the solution will be to have a system that is more competitive, uh, like uh, in uh, in uh, some countries in Europe. I'm not uh, I'm not looking at the uh, at the U.S. The U.S. they they have a system that is uh, not efficient. But uh, I believe in uh, universal coverage for everybody with, like I said, private or public delivery of services. So that will be under the provincial government. But that reform, giving them the money, that reform will uh, give them incentive to be to change the system or to have a more efficient health care system. Our next question comes from Timothy and um, Timothy is a reporter from the Leftbridge Herald. We have seen rising populism lead to increased racial strife and increased white supremacy trends in the U.S. Is your party committed to non-discrimination and opposing white supremacy in Canada? Absolutely. We're the only party who didn't do any discrimination. Look at the conservative and the liberals. They're pandering to different uh, ethnic groups. We're not, we, we don't do that. You know, if you're a Canadian from Chinese origin or you're a Canadian from Pakistanese origin, for us, you are a Canadians and we are doing politics for all Canadians without uh, looking at your race or, or your, the color of your skin. So, so uh, for us, it, it's, uh, it's a basic on our principle. It's the base of our principle. You know, we, we, are, we believe in individual freedom, personal responsibility, respect and fairness. And fairness, that, that, that's, that's the point doing politics for everybody and that's why you know we don't pander and we will never pander to any special interest group or any uh, uh, any uh, race in this country for us everybody is a canadian our next question comes from trevor page sounds you are seized with issues from a bygone era what is your party's policy on climate change and on migration uh, on, on climate change and immigration? Yes. What is, is your party? Yeah. What is your party? What is your party's policy on climate change and on migration? Migration. OK, thank you. Uh, first of all, I think on, on migration, uh, we must uh, stop that. You know, in Quebec, there's the uh, Ro Roxanne Road and people are crossing the border illegally. I think they, we must uh, be sure that people respect uh, our immigration system. And it's unfair for the real uh, uh, refugees that want uh, to come to Canada that are waiting in a, in a refugees camp in another country. Uh, that must be the priority and not people who are crossing the border in Quebec illegally to enter in Canada. So we must stop that. And uh, that's part of our policy. That's very important because if you don't do that, you won't have a fair immigration system. And at the same time, we are working for Canadians first and putting our country first. So that being said, we need to have fewer immigrants between 150, 100 and 150,000 a year. And, you know, we don't believe in mass immigration, but the people, are, people who are, want to come to our country, must uh, be able to uh, share our values. I think it's important. Canadian values, Western civilization values, like they did in the past. And I think it's too important. We love this country. We want this country to be like that in 25 years. So that's why we need to have a discussion about immigration. And I think that's important. But we want to put more focus on economic immigrants. So what is an economic immigrant? It's uh, a person that will come in Canada because an entrepreneur 
was not able to find a Canadian for a job. So that person will come with a job and it will be easier for that person to integrate our society and to participate in our society. So we want more economic immigrants and fewer people coming under the reunification of family. Uh, you know, people who are Canadians and wants to uh, want to have their family uh, coming to Canada. Uh, I think that uh, we must not uh, promote that. Uh, when you choose to come uh, to to become a Canada Canadians and come to Canada, you you are uh, you you are choosing to leave uh, your your former country and become uh, becoming here in Canada, and I think that reunification of family, uh, that's. Um, that's a cost for uh, for the, the society. So we need to have more economic immigrants. So look on our platform, People's Party of Canada, our immigration policy. Uh, on the other question about, uh, I think it was COVID-19. No, climate, uh, climate change. change. Yeah, climate change. First of all, we, uh, we uh, won't do anything for climate change because uh, the environment, it's a shared jurisdiction with provinces. And actually, right now, the carbon tax that the Trudeau government is imposing uh, in Quebec, we don't pay any carbon tax because the Quebec government has a cap and trade system. So provincials can, can fight climate change and can have their own policy on climate change if they want. But us at the federal level, we won't sign the Paris Accord. We won't impose a carbon tax. We won't impose more regulation on businesses, but we will do something for the environment. I think it's important to have a clear lakes, a clear rivers, and you know, we, there's a lot of things to do there. So we want to do concrete uh, things for the environment, but fighting climate change, we will let that to provinces and, uh, and that would be it. So no more Paris Accord, no more uh, carbon tax, no more regulations on businesses, and, uh, and at the same time, I think uh, if, if a province wants to uh, fight climate change, that will be their decision. Okay, our next question is not really a question, but I'd like to read it out to you in case you want to comment. The sun produces a million times more energy than humans use in a year. Uh, that million times is in one second. I don't know if you want to comment on that or would you like me to go to the next question? So, no, I think I'll, I'll go to the next question. <laughs> okay. Um, there is a thread here regarding um, one comment that says we have no one to vote for in Grand Prairie Mackenzie. And then there starts to be a com communication about that. But let me pose it into a question for you. Is your party planning to uh, put candidates into uh, all the writings? Yes, absolutely. It is important for a party. And actually right now we are looking for candidates and we started a process. And I can tell you if we have an election this uh, fall, we'll have uh, a candidate in every riding. It is important for us because we want to give the opportunity to every Canadian to be able to vote for their values, to be able to vote for what they believe in, to be able to vote for the People's Party and not voting against something. And I can tell you, we won't, uh, uh, we won't split the vote. Uh, that's the Conservative who is doing that. As you know now, the Conservative Party of Canada uh, is splitting the vote with the Liberals. Aaron O'Toole said that he's a red Tory and he was his party to grow and to become more leftist. That is goal to, uh, like I said in my speech, to have more support in Quebec and in Ontario. So there's no, the Conservative Party of Canada is not conservative anymore. So if you are a libertarian, so you believe in the Constitution, you believe in freedom and personal responsibility, the only choice now is to vote for the PPC. And that's why we want to offer you the opportunity. And that's why it will be important to have a candidate in every riding and we'll do that. Okay, thank you. Our next question comes from Claude Peterson. A healthy environment is arguably important to everyone. Do you believe safeguarding it should strictly be left up to the provinces? Or is there a role to be played in the federal government? I think you kind of touched on this, but maybe just elaborate. Yeah, yeah, I touched on it. The federal government can have a role. I'll give you an example. During the Brian Maroney era, 
uh, Brian Moroney as a conservative signed uh, the Acid Rain Treaty with the U.S. So the federal government uh, have a role, but uh, under a PPC government, we won't take a role on climate change. We will let that to provinces and will, like I said before, we will concentrate our focus and efforts to other uh, environment, uh, environmental uh, challenge that we have in this country. Okay, our next question comes from Danny Jones. What is the messaging for grassroots organizations in the writings? Of course, we want to win, but winning is not reasonable is not a reasonable goal this election. What is the goal for this coming election? Yeah, the goal of this coming election for us at the PPC is, first of all, to uh, grow our support. And I think we can uh, more than double our support. We can have four or five percent of the vote. That would be great. And actually, as the leader of the PPC, I will uh, run uh, in my former riding in Bose. Uh, actually, um, if there's an election soon or, or later, I'll, I'll be uh, a candidate there. And my goal would be to uh, win back that riding and uh, going back to Ottawa, uh, to the parliament. But uh, if we can have a couple of other candidates elected, that would be great. But our goal is to have a strong foundation all across the country. Like I said in my speech, you know, <clears throat> this platform is great for Albertan. But also it is great for people living in Ontario, in Quebec. Uh, we were not afraid to speak about the real issues to be sure to have a freer and a more prosperous country. So our goal would be to have a candidate in every riding and, and to grow the support, uh, to grow our support, to grow the percentage of our vote. And, and step by step, we'll be able to influence the debates in Ottawa, like I said in my speech. But um, I, I, I understand that... Uh, I won't be prime minister after the next general election. The step is too high for us right now. But we need our ideas, we need our values, we need our principles to be discussed in Ottawa. And the more support we'll have, the better it will be. That's why this time I ask you to vote for your values. Don't vote against something because you won't have anything if you do that. Our next question comes um, from... Um I'll just read it. Maxine, what is your stance on the compelled speech law of Bill C-16? Would you push for an amendment? I'm against that. I'm against that. I said that before. You know, we must, uh, it's against our principle as a party. It's against freedom, freedom of speech, uh, you know, and uh, in our platform in the university, if they don't have a policy on free speech, they won't receive any money from the federal government. It's so important to have debates in, in, in our society. That's what I want. I want to have debates with the other leaders on our most important issues. And th they don't want to have debates. Like I said, the conservatives don't want to have debate about uh, the, 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 uh, the, the uh, equalization formula that is unfair for Albertan. We need to have a reform there. We need to have a formula that would be less generous and will give more incentives to uh, uh, eastern provinces or have-not provinces to develop their own natural resources. So they don't want to have that debate. So we need to have debates. We need to have debate at the university. We need to be able to debate. And this kind of law, we don't need this kind of law in this country. We have the criminal code that is there, uh, and, uh, and that's it. We don't need to uh, regulate and legislate uh, on, on free speech anymore. Our next question is, I strongly support your platform and your willingness to stand for what is right and true for once, for our once wonderful country. What can be done to open the eyes and understanding of low information voters? But that's what I'm doing right now with you, you know, doing events like that. I can tell you that as soon as uh, the economy would be more open, as you know, our party is against lockdowns. We're the only party at the federal level against lockdown. And I said that uh, a couple of months ago. So uh, because, you know, our economy needs, need, needs to be reopened. Uh, our, our churches need to be reopened. Our, our schools need to be reopened. So we need to, to, to leave. And as soon as uh, it will be reopened and we're fighting for that, I want to be back on the road and to meet people, to do rallies and to, to do more speeches. So, yes, the, the way to be out there is to, to speak about what we believe. 
But I must agree that it's, it is a little bit more difficult for me and for us at the PPC to be in the mainstream media. Uh, it's a big challenge. Uh, the mainstream media won't cover us uh, for the moment. I think they will, and I hope they will during the next general election. But uh, the way is to uh, be out there. And uh, when I will travel, I'm doing always a local newspaper and people are reading that. I'm doing always a local radio station. I will do that again. So more people who uh, know the People's Party and are speaking about that, the better it is. And, and yes, you, you, we are informing people on our platform and sometimes educating them on the challenges that we have in this country. So we must speak to everybody. And I'll, I'm taking all the opportunities that I have to reach Canadians. Our next question comes from Mark Goodall. Fighting climate change will cost money. How would one province do this if another doesn't? Don't we need national and international policy policies to fight this important threat? No, because I don't. I don't believe it's uh, an important threat. I believe that uh, the the climate change uh, debate is uh, hysterical, uh, and uh, and you know, it's the, the the federal government with all the regulations and all the taxes that they impose on people. It is not the solution, and and for me. I don't believe that there's an emergency there. So that's why I will let provinces deal with that if they want. Uh, for us, like I said before, we must concentrate our efforts at the federal level on, on things that we can change, like uh, <clears throat> like uh, clear rivers, clear lakes, and, and and things like that. We can we can do that. But also, you know, climate change. You know, you it, Canada the the emission of our country is less than two percent of the global emissions. So you can do a lot of things. You won't change that. China and India, uh, you know, are, are not are doing anything about that. It's it's so why why having a huge penalties on Canadians and Canadian businesses when you won't have any impact globally. So that's why I led that to provinces. And for us, there's no emergency on climate change. Our next question comes. From Bridge City News, which is a news outlet in Lethbridge, Alberta. The PPC currently wants to remove the Firearms Act. What would new gun legislation from the PPC look like? But first of all, what we want to do, we want to look at the Firearms Acts and uh, having the politicians, uh, the elected politician in Ottawa in charge of that. Now that's the RCMP that is in charge of that. They can change the, the, the categories of arms and things like that. I think it, it, most, it is very important that it must be the law, it must be the politician who will change that. We have a very detailed uh, firearms policy on our website, peoplespartyofcanada.ca, you can look at it. But you know what the Trudeau government uh, is doing right now is not the solution. We believe that uh, you know peaceful and law-abiding abiding, uh, Canadians uh, that have firearms uh, are not the problem. The problem is uh, when you have uh, uh, firearms that are coming from uh, other countries and illegal firearms. I think we must give more resources to the RCMP to fight that. But uh, law-abiding Canadian uh, that um, uh, have uh, firearms, we must not. Uh, uh, we must not fight them. We, they have a property right and we will respect the property right of the gun owners. So I'm asking you, go on our website and read our platform. You'll see that it's very uh, details there. Uh, but uh, what the Trudeau government is doing is not the solution. It is not the solution for us. Our next question uh, comes from uh, Denver, Florence. Maxine, what would you do about big tech overreach and canceled culture online in Canada if elected? Yes, censorship. Censorship, it's huge uh, here in Canada, but all across the world. Uh, we need to look at a solution. Uh, we need, uh, you know, that's uh, private uh, businesses, uh, Google and all that. But what they're doing, you know, I cannot imagine that the former U.S. president is not on uh, YouTube or, or, or Instagram or Twitter. You know, uh, he is not a, a, he is not a terrorist. 
he was the former uh, uh, president of the United States and he cannot have a platform. So that's not something that you must do in a democracy. And what we will do for sure, we will uh, fight that. I don't have the answer. We will look at all the legislation that we have in this country and try to look at what other countries did to promote more freedom and, and to fight censorship. That, that's, uh, that's too important for a vibrant, vibrant democracy. We need debates. We, we need to fight censorship. Uh, what is the solution at the end? I don't have the detailed solution, but I can tell you that it's against our principles. And um, when I'll be in government, we will look at it and find a solution that is in line with freedom and personal responsibility. We don't need censorship and we need to act. Uh, we'll see what will happen right now. I know that in some countries they have debate about that and we need to have a national debates about it. If you have a, a solution, uh, you can write to us at info at peoplespartyofcanada.ca and we'll look at it. But for us, the priority is to fight against censorship and the way we'll do it, we'll look at the legislation that we have in this country, if we can improve that for more freedom and, and, uh, and freedom of speech. Our next question comes from PM Reid. Um, by and large, the happiest countries in the world are ones which have proportional representation. Would the PPC consider supporting the call for PR? No, because uh, we need to do a constitutional reform. And if you read my speech, uh, if you look at my speech, uh, we want to have a radical decentralization. We don't uh, want to change the constitution. It would be too difficult. There's a lot of reform of reforms that we can do without reopening the constitution. We need to respect the constitution. So if you want to have an electoral reform, you'll need to reopen the constitution. And I think there's more important uh, challenges to deal with in, instead of reopening uh, the constitution. So if uh, the federal government respect the constitution, we, uh, we will have a more prosperous country. We will have a more united country. So I can tell you that uh, it can be more difficult for, for a new party like the People's Party to be elected under that system. But, you know, I will fight and I believe that uh, we'll be able to have the support that we need to be back in, uh, in Parliament. Okay, we're right on uh, noon and we've got loads of questions still left. I don't know how, how you are for time. Um, is it okay if I read one more or two more? Or? Yeah, maybe two more. Two more, and uh, yeah, that would that would be it. I'm pleased to uh, have okay. two uh, more L questions. Lovely. Um, this question comes from Denny Jones. Um, Max, what can be the federal government? What can the federal government to stop legislation from the bench? How do we stop? judicial activism? Yeah, first of all, you need to have the right uh, judge at the Supreme Court. Uh, as you saw last week with the decision on climate change, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm with the minority, uh, the judge in the minority on that. Uh, I, they, they have the, the right interpretation of our constitution. The division of power is so important. Now the Supreme Court uh, gave to Trudeau uh, all the uh, the uh, arguments for more uh, intervention in provincial jurisdiction and using the national interest uh, uh, idea to do that. So I think it, it's it's not the solution for this country. Uh, it's not bringing more unity in our country. So it's uh, it for me that decision is a bad decision. So what we can do, you need to have a judge at the Supreme Court and uh, other courts that uh, are just following the law. You don't have to reinterpret our constitution. The constitution is very clear. And, and sometimes you have judge that want to rewrite the law. So what we can do, uh, you, you, can, you can do your best to promote uh, judges that uh, will be uh, not activists, but uh, lawyer that understand the legislation process and, uh, and understand that the Constitution is not a, a document that uh, uh, must change every decade. 
It's a document that is there. You have to respect it. Like I said in my speech, all these Western civilization, we have great constitution. But now the problem is not the constitution, it's the fact that governments don't respect their constitution, like in Canada, and judges uh, reinterpret the constitution and rewrite the constitution. So we, we need to be sure to go back of what the fathers of, of our country wanted, and, and, and that's the only way to have a united country and, and a more prosperous country. So answering your question about uh, activists, uh, judge, uh, I think that um, you, uh, you have to uh, pick the right one, and that can be difficult. And so our last question comes from Laura Schultz. How would you remedy systemic issues, significantly more indigenous people incarcerated, inability for non-white entrepreneurs to get loans, gender pay equality, dot, dot, or inequality rather, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, for, for me, it's a shame. It's a shame that uh, we, have, uh, we don't have uh, running water on reserves. Uh, it's a shame what happened right now with our Aboriginal people. So that's the system that is wrong. It's the, the, the Indian Act that is wrong. So that's why I said we must change that and base that on other principles, respect, uh, freedom on reserve, property rights on reserve. That's what we want to do. Go on our website and read our platform, peoplespartyofcanada.ca on that, and you'll see, you'll see what, I'm, what I'm telling you. Uh, it's very clear. The other thing is, um, I know that we won't have time to answer all the other questions, but you can send your question at info at peoplespartyofcanada.ca and I'll be pleased to answer them. Wonderful. That was it for us today. There's quite a lot of thank yous in the queue. Thank you, Mr. Bernier. This has been great. Thank you for your presentation and so on. Um, I want to thank you on behalf of SACPA for taking the time to talk to us today. And before we end the live stream, do you have a take-home message for our viewers? Yes, my first message will be, we at the PPC believe in people. We don't believe in big fat government. So we think that more people look at our platform, the more they will understand, the better it will be for you, the better it will be for our country. What I'm asking you, have a look to our platform. Don't hesitate for once to vote for your values. Don't try to vote against something. And step by step, we will be sure to bring back that country to have our freedom back. You know, it's, it's a, a mid-term project. Uh, and that's why I need you. I need your support. You can go on the People's Party of Canada website, becoming a members and helping us to promote individual freedom, personal responsibility, respect and fairness in this country. Thank you. Excellent. And I hope for all our viewers that you'll join us on Thursday for our regular SACPA session. And we realize that is April 1st. So with that in mind, we have laugh until it helps. If you laugh at it, you can survive it with a speaker, Cheryl Ann Oberg. Thank you very much, Mr. Bernier. And we will be signing off and hopefully see you on Thursday. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And thanks for giving me that opportunity today.